is sons and daughters of God, not slaves. That's what we're going to uh, try and unpack today. Sons and daughters of God, not slaves. Um, And I'll begin with a disclaimer. You'll notice that the sons and daughters, uh, that's gender specific and it's binary, um, which frankly is a hot potato in itself. So if you want that unpacking and exploring, then you need to come to a morning service in February, to the fourth Sunday in February is our morning service and that will be our hot potato topic. Uh, So I uh, heartily relieved will not be touching it this evening. Um, The contrast I want us to look at is that contrast between being a child of God versus being a slave of the world. And I think that that child-slave contrast, there are sort of two layers to it. One is our salvation layer, that moment when we are redeemed from being a slave and inherit uh, being a son or a daughter of God our Father in heaven. And that's a moment of salvation. But there's another layer of um, in our discipleship, of when we're walking out our journey with Jesus, our discipleship of Jesus, and when, whether we are journeying like a son or daughter or journeying like a slave. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit as well in theory. Um, so some of you young folk might be, some of you older folk, might be looking for jobs at some point, And you'll have to read a job spec to figure out whether you're going to apply for a particular job. And so I just wanted to describe uh, this job spec. Uh, and the job title is Slave. Uh, sounding appealing already. The expectation, it's the, to fulfill the whole law of God perfectly and without hesitation, deviation, or inadequacy. Looking doable. Um, you're going to be line managed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, your contract uh, is permanent until death. Uh, Your weekly hours are 189, and for those slower on maths, that's 24-7. Your wages are death, Uh, and your annual leave denied. Uh, The term is for life, the retirement package is death yet again, Um, and the notice period for ceasing this contract uh, is not disclosed by the employers. They're going to keep that a secret from you. Um, And so the terms of terminating this contract, of getting out of it, uh, are entirely impossible for human, uh, for fallen humanity. So, anybody applying for uh, this impossible job where the wages of sin are death? Anyone interested? Only some people do choose to stick with that job. That uh, it's not appealing and it's not a job necessarily that we would choose. And yet it is a job description, a, a regime into which we are all born. We're born into that. 
And there is no way we can work ourselves free from the bondage of this slavery. That is, we can never quite be good enough to find um, victory and freedom from the power of sin and death just by good works and trying really hard. Uh, some people have tried it and been entirely unsuccessful. So born slaves die in slavery. And that is the option that we are all uh, born into. And the reason the law is so challenging, the law is not a bad thing, but it is so perfect and so holy. It is the law of love, uh, of perfect love and of um, sacrificial love that none of us really love that fully. We can't be that perfect in our, um, in our role of love. But we heard in the reading today, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that is, born into this regime of slavery, to take on the appearance of a slave, in order to redeem, that is, pay the price for, those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. This is quite extraordinary. Jesus comes, God comes in person and takes on the form of a slave to, to work amongst the slaves. And he fulfills this law of love perfectly. He was not line managed by the world, the flesh and the devil. He took on the form of slave, but he was not enslaved to them. Um, he was not enslaved to the world because he had created it. And, under, and it was entirely under his authority. He spoke to the wind and the waves and they commanded him. He was not subject to the world, but the world was subject to him. We're told he was in the world and the world came into being through him. He was not line managed by his own flesh, his carnal nature, because he knew what it was to be so fully loved by the Father that when he was tempted in the desert or when he was even facing death, his devotion to God overpowered that enslavement and it had no power over him. And Jesus was not under the power of Satan, the devil. Because Jesus gave no foothold, no territory through uh, disobeying God. He, when even though he was fully man and he was tempted in the same ways that we face temptation, he remained holy and fully obedient and in line with God's love. And that was by the power of just knowing that he was God's son, that he was loved fully that gave him the power to fulfill this law, this seemingly impossible law, by the power of God's love. He did it. 
And so, although he came in person amongst these slaves and took on this uh, mantle of being a slave, he was not um, under the same authority or line-managed or enslaved in the same way. He fulfilled the law, which nobody else could do. And then, where the wages of sin are death, he even went to that. You know the story. He laid down this perfect life, and by that power of love, he raised, was victorious over death itself. So even the wages of sin were obliterated in him. And in his victory, victorious sonship, he, through breaking the power of death and rising victorious, he unlocked the shackles, the chains that were keeping people enslaved. It doesn't mean that all slaves walked free because it would be enslavement if he forced them to walk free. And that's courageous, to go to all those lengths and still allow people the freedom to deny him and turn their back on him. But he has unlocked everyone's shackles to be uh, controlled by sin and guilt and shame and, uh, and, and ultimately death. He has unlocked it. And so we have that choice, and many of us have taken that choice, to shake off those shackles, to leave behind those chains, and to take up our new position out of slavery and as adopted children, that is, a brother and sister to Jesus, a son and daughter of God himself, where there is complete freedom in love, no condemnation for sin, because Jesus has paid for that, those wages of sin and death already. So this new role that a child of God can step into is one of child, of, of the carefree uh, enjoyment of our Creator's love. The wages are fullness of life. We're line managed by the God of love himself. Uh, our retirement package this time is eternal life, lost in love, wonder, and praise, in the light of God's presence. And our inheritance is that of the Son, we share inheritance with the Son of God. That is what Jesus has done for us. We were destined to die, to be enslaved to the power, the effect of sin that can make us feel so little or uh, shamed or guilty. We were destined to be controlled by the darkness of fears, of inadequacies, of unworthiness. And Jesus has unlocked those shackles through his life and death and resurrection so that we can step out of that into the freedom and joy of being a child. Is anybody happy about that? 
Is anybody thankful? There are a few people like, yes, yes, yes. Let's stand and just for a moment, please, come on. We, God is good. Let's just stand and praise him and thank him because we need to remember this day by day, what he has done for us and who he is to us. So in your own words, I'm, I'm, let's just take this moment to focus on the freedom that Jesus has won for us, freedom from slaves, that we are a son and a daughter of God. And just give him thanks. So, in your own words. So, we are saved from slavery to be a son and a daughter. Um, but it's also a walking out as we gradually um, become more like him and make choices that are more in line with his style and less in line with slavery's style. And... The more we make those choices to follow in Jesus' likeness, the more fully we become a son or daughter and less like a slave. And then we become, uh, we enjoy more fully God's love, the freedom of his love, and we can become more fruitful in our lives. Uh, because we're not saved just for a warm and fuzzy. We're saved for a purpose, that by resembling God more, we will bring glory to his name, and we will be increasingly different to those who are caught up in slavery in the world, and that we will be fruitful in our lives. That will be a blessing to others, because God's heart is to keep drawing with loving kindness more and more slaves out of their shackles and into the freedom of being a child of God. That's, that's the sort of purpose. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are loved to love. We are um, set free in order to lead others into freedom. It's not just so that we can sit in an armchair and think, oh, isn't this lovely to be a child of God, uh, but that we are saved for a purpose. And so uh, we're called to keep following closer and closer in Jesus' footsteps in his likeness, to be continually transformed from glory into glory for God's glory and for the blessing of the world. And, and so that is a journey. And although we are free to make those choices... We all sometimes slip back into slavery mode because it's what we uh, know quite well. And then we have to help one another to come back to Jesus again. There's never condemnation when we do this whoops-a-daisy slip. There's only ever invitation back into love. Please remember that. There's never condemnation, only invitation back into the love of God. And so I just wanted us to um, think about, so that we can spot uh, those times when we slip into slavery accidentally, sort of slavery mindsets, so that we can become more attuned at becoming more childlike. Um, I'm going to use a non-biblical example scandalous. Um, do you know the film Sound of Music? For those of you who don't know the film, it's a rated 18 action thriller 
And um, <laughs> you laugh, but I've actually had nightmares as an adult. Uh, you know the really scary bit? When, when the Nazis are searching for the family in the convent and they are brandishing torches and whistles. Uh, <laughs> I've had nightmares from that. Um, so, uh, so this is there's a, it's a film, it's quite old now. There's an authoritarian um, naval captain who is widowed and he has seven children. And in order to control uh, these seven children, he dresses them in uniforms, he blows a whistle, and they um, march very obediently and follow his commands, and they earn his approval through being superhuman obedient. And uh, then he, he finds that he has to go away, so he needs to get in a nanny all the other nannies have found these children too difficult. They get this nanny from a convent. She's a wannabe nun and is sent to go and do some nannying for this family. And later on, there's a scene in the film where the children are not wearing their uniforms. They're wearing play clothes. And they are not marching and following instructions, but they're in a boat, they're splashing around in a lake. And as Fräulein Maria says, they're having a marvelous time. So here in both scenes, these are children of the same father. They're still children in a family. Can you spot... <laughs> I hope you can. Uh, can you spot any slavery type mentality or behavior? Uh, where would you spot it? Pardon? In the marching, right at the beginning when they're uniformed and obedient. You're absolutely right. And so sometimes as children of God, we can sometimes think, okay, I want to be more like Jesus because I want to be obedient. You know, I want to sort of follow in God's example, no more of his love. And so we set for ourselves, we set for ourselves a whole load of rules. Uh, like I must read my Bible this much and I must pray this much and I must fast and um, I must try and be nice to people and I must be thankful and, and the list goes on. And then we drop one of them or we forget to read the Bible or whatever and then we feel guilty and so we try a little bit harder next time and there's this striving to do the task in order to please the master as it were, to please father. And it's not necessarily as conscious as that um, but we can very easily get into that, um, that mindset of needing to um, strive to be like Jesus in order to honor God and, and that the Christian life must look like all these rules. And I know you know the theory that that's not what is expected. But just have a little soul search. And if somebody tells you how much they read the Bible and then you think about how much you read the Bible... Do you have any pangs of guilt? Or um, somebody tells you how much they're 
tithing and you're like, oh, yeah, I really ought to give more, but, um, you know, I'm worried about my finances or, you know, so there's this ought and should and guilt. And if you ever get that sort of comparison thing going on, that's your litmus test, that you're struggling a little bit with some, some residue of slavery mindset. There's no condemnation, only invitation back into the love of God. Now, when I asked you about these um, children in the family where you saw slavery, I think you were only half right, which is a really gracious way of saying you were half wrong. (laughs) Because if we look at the children's scene of them, no uniforms, and playing in the river, I think it can be argued that there's still a very subtle, much harder to spot, slavery mindset here. Because these children were free and easy and not much different to any other children in the world. But they didn't know their father's business. They didn't know their father's heart. They weren't participating in their father's business. It was like they had had their shackles unlocked And they were skipping and playing around, but uh, unaware of the one who had unlocked their shackles. And I think sometimes this can play out in Christians where they're so delighting in the freedom of being a child. They really know that they are a child of God. And they've just got that such deep assurance and freedom in knowing that childlikeness that they almost come to become enslaved or worshipping or honouring or bowing down to the freedom and the grace rather than the freedom giver and the grace giver. And it is very, it's a very small difference between one and the other. It's very subtle, it's difficult to pick up. But where there's delighting in the freedom from condemnation and not in rejoicing in the God of all and the Father who is still judge. Can you see that difference? That actually they're missing out on the fullness of life that is offered through relationship with the Father because they're not following... um, in Jesus's example, and it, it's not for everyone, but I just sometimes see it, and I think, oh, if I think the litmus test can be if their life is not distinctive from other people's lives in the world. Do they not look or speak differently? Do they not make different choices, use their money differently? Because they're so enjoying that freedom that it's it's almost worshipping the freedom rather than the, the price that was paid by the God of love. And so we've got a, the, our second reading today, the gospel reading. It's one of my favorites. I think I've told you before. This call to abide uh, like branches in a vine. 
that we are called to abide in the love of God. And it's about following commandments, isn't it? Jesus, I haven't got it open with me. Um, But you will abide if you follow my commandments. If you follow my commands, that is, if you follow in the footsteps of Jesus, follow in his likeness. Now, these free guys can look in on that and think, oh, no, spiritual disciplines, that's slavery. That's, that's um, going to inhibit my freedom. But it is, but Jesus engaged in spiritual disciplines of prayer and of worship, of fasting and of giving and of serving. And he wasn't a slave. He was the epitome of a son. He was our role model, our example. And so the test for us all is that heart motive of choosing to do a spiritual discipline or to not do it. What is our heart motive? And it should always be to abide in God's love. Will this help me abide in his love? To draw closer in Jesus' likeness, to become more like a son or a daughter of God. And not to always perceive it as discipline. Um, and I, I, it's just because I hear people um, grappling with that, that complexity of um, what is striving and slavery in our spiritual walk, in our following of Jesus, and what is freedom and freedom from condemnation. And it is a tricky balance. I really want us to recognize that today, that that we are called, I'm about to swear in charismatic circles, we are called to strive, to make every effort. It's a dirty word in charismatic circles. We're We're free from striving. But there is a call to for holy striving and holy um, effort to follow in the likeness of Christ. And that's not slavery, that's abiding. If the heart motive is, is compelled by love, motivated, motivated by love, and for receiving of love and giving of love. And the only example I could think of of this um, working is from my own family. Those of you who don't know, my dad's a farmer. And in our house, we have four meals a day. And every meal is sat around a table. And it's not a rule, like you you don't have to, but it's just the expectation of that's how we are family together. And when we sit around uh, the mealtime, ever since I was a little girl, we'll talk about what's going on in each other's lives. And my dad will talk about what's going on in the farm. And um, it, we never used to bat an eyelid. It, you know, visitors come and they'd sometimes be shocked. But it wouldn't be unusual to be talking about manure or um, rotten feet or whatever <laughs> over, the, over the kitchen table. And We'd then, you know, Dad would sometimes say, right, after, after lunch, everyone needs to put wellies on. Uh, we all need to go and move the sheep. And I was never paid for this. I was never contracted to go and help. But I was a daughter. And this was our family lifestyle and our family um, 
the way that we serve and are known as farmers. And so if it's one person's job, if it's the farmer's job to go and feed the sheep, then it just becomes everybody's job. And there's an expectation. And sometimes that's beautiful and delightful and feels free and easy. And sometimes it's really hard work and your fingers are numb and you are tired and it's, and it's physically laborious. But it's not slavery. It's the fullness of being a daughter in the family. Can you see the difference? It's, it's compelled by love. Uh, God, Dad never commanded us. We just love one another, and so we all pull together for the family business. And so I think I, I just wanted us to try and help pick apart that difference between following Jesus as a slave and, and being a son or a daughter which does take effort and intentional choices that will make us look different from the world outside so that we can be a blessing and draw others into the Father's embrace. And so I'm going to end with two things. We're going to have a moment of letting the Spirit put on your hearts anywhere where you're feeling bondage to slavery. Um, I do a lot of ministry in this area. I, uh, I don't call it healing ministry, though I see people healed. But I find I work with women, come alongside them, who are um, under the slavery and bondage to um, wounds from the past, to guilt or shame, to unforgiveness, and that can manifest physically for some people in chronic fatigue or um, all sorts of, I can't think what else has happened lately, um, uh, food allergies or whatever. And, and by going through and un just unlocking those um, shackles that Jesus has done the work for, but they are just holding them captive, I just see women being restored to their daughtership, to the fullness of being a child of God, free from chronic fatigue or their um, food allergies or whatever. And that's what moving out of uh, some aspects of the slavery and into the fullness of a child can look like in real terms. And so I know God has set us free and is setting us free and will continue to set us free as we journey with his son Jesus. And it's exciting because it brings glory to God. It resembles God's likeness and draws others out of slavery and into freedom. What a wonderful job description. That's our job spec. That's our purpose, our call. What a privilege. We've done nothing to earn that. Nothing. How good is our God? So we're going to have a time of allowing the Spirit to show us where he'd like us to set us free, a little bit more, and to follow in closer likeness. But I also want to share with you something 
uh, that might help. And a while back, I read this book by Jeff Pratt. It's called The Homeward Call, A Contemplative Journey into a Love That Will Not Let Us Go. Hello. And in this book, it's a really good book. Uh, he used to be a Mormon and came to be a follower of Jesus. And he has set up lots of um, new monastic communities around the world and is um, a passionate activist as well. So he does lots of incredible works of serving people in the darkest and toughest places. Um, he's also single and has grappled with finding that fullness of life uh, in the sink, because fullness of life comes from abiding as a son or a daughter, and not from our job or our relationship or anything external. It just comes from abiding. And then jobs and relationships and everything are part of the fruit and the outworking of that abiding. So he's, he's, he's really grappled with that, and it's good. But at the end, he has um, done this, applying a practice to personal need. So if you're struggling with some sense of bondage, like um, a distracted mind or guilt and pride or uh, narcissistic spirituality, the sort of me-centered life, then he's just made suggestions of spiritual disciplines uh, which can help realign to following Jesus with whatever the thing is you're struggling with. So do take one of these, um, because if it's not helpful for you, it might be helpful for somebody that you're mentoring. And I encourage you all to do some mentoring. Um, so they're at the front, do take one. So let's, um, may I invite the band to come up?